right, welcome back to this week's edition of the OmniTalk Fast Five. It's November 22nd, 2019, and we are again here in front of a live audience at our third house retail lab in Minneapolis. How's everybody doing out there? All right, that's what we like to hear. How's everybody doing here up on stage? Turning the mic level down on Chris. <laughs> I'm always loud. Loud. Doing, we're doing well. We're doing well. Getting getting psyched for our trip to Tel Aviv on Saturday. That's right. Tel Aviv's on Saturday. The long, like, what, we leave Saturday night, get back early, or we leave early Wednesday morning. Whirlwind trip. We're going to be back in time for Thanksgiving, which is the most important thing. And Black Friday, which will also be exciting. Yeah, what's our plan for Black Friday? Black Friday, we are going to, well, I think we're going to go to Mall of America. Hell yes, we are. I was like, uh, are we doing that? And, or and the what, question what is, we... what time are we going to Mall of America? No. So these guys every year want to be at Mall of America at 5 a.m. Oh, so or 4.30 a.m. So that they can um, wait in line with everybody. I feel like we still get just as much content if we arrive at 6 a.m. But I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. They yeah. have big prizes they're giving away this year, so maybe that's what you guys want to do is wait in line. Well, one of the stores I know we want to see is the one we're going to talk about, that, talk about, and that's the new Lululemon store as well. Yes. And so I'm, I can't wait to see that, but we'll wait until we get to that headline. Carter, you got any big plans? Emma, Emma you're yeah, going home. Oh, wait. Beer. Emma, oh gosh, Spirit Bill Beer. <laughs> I cannot talk today already. Oh, no. Spilled Beer. That's actually really hard to say. On stage, but Emma, you do have big plans. So Emma, the intern, you are going home, right? I am. Any anything, any exciting things happening there with the the trek back to New Jersey, New York, New, New York, also <laughs> known was, as that was an insult. Yes, right whoops. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm excited to see my family and my dog and whatnot. So wonderful, wonderful. When do you get back? I'm leaving Wednesday night and then coming back Sunday night. Awesome, awesome. Good. All right, well, you guys ready to get to it? Let's yes. do it. You guys ready to get to it? Yes. All right. All right, first, a note from our sponsor. So our sponsor of this week's episode is, of course, Trigo. Trigo helps grocers unlock the true beauty of brick-and-mortar retailing by designing a magical checkout-free experience using computer vision and AI. Together with Tesco, Trigo is now building the largest checkout-free store ever built. And as Anne alluded to, we will actually be at their headquarters next week in Tel Aviv checking out their retail lab. So I can't wait to see it. And then also, a new feature that we have this week, something we're going to try out, something we haven't done before. It's called the What Do We Miss feature. And this comes to us again from our good friend Cara Boutte up north in Canada. Because every week we try to cover the best headlines, but every week we don't always do it exactly probably the best way that we could. And so Carl sent us this headline, which is that JD.com, if you didn't catch it, actually opened up a physical store last week. And so to Carl's credit, I got to say, we missed this one because this is one we should have covered. So for those of you that aren't familiar, JD.com, one of the biggest online retailers in China, actually, according to the article, the biggest one by revenue. They opened up a new 50,000 square foot space. It opened on, not coincidentally, Singles Day, 11-11. Did they really? They did. Of course they did. Why wouldn't they, right? You got sure. to stick that, it to the competition, right? Okay, cool. But this thing sounds pretty cool. So they've got, a, they've got what they call brand experience zones. So it actually has Apple's largest authorized offline store in the world. It runs entirely on 5G. They have, of course, dynamic electronic pricing tags. And QR codes, codes also said, for order placement. <laughs> Having trouble today. Very Canadian of you. Yeah, <laughs> right. Codes, that's for you, Carl. And, of course, my favorite robot 
product guides that take you through the store. So again, the cool, perfect separation of shopping and buying, 50,000 square feet, electronic price tags, QR codes for shopping, and you can have everything delivered if you want to your home within the day, or you can take it home from the store right then and there. What do you guys think? Half of these features are eye rolls. The robot, <laughs> the QR codes, the dynamic pricing tags. Uh, the video of it, though, is actually pretty cool. Like It reminds me of almost a Dave & Buster's, as weird as that is. Uh, it's very dark with a lot of neon accents. Um, you should watch the video. It's a 30-second video. Yeah. We can link it in the bio. It's, it's, is it's, it a cool Dave & Buster's? Yeah, it is. A, yeah. I would say it's All a cool right. Dave & Buster's. Can you say those words together? Yeah, I mean, you can. Yeah. Cool. I love Dave & Buster's. Are you kidding me? Mm. They're All our right. next sponsor. Oh, yeah. It's okay. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool Dave and Busters uh, in China. I all right, got it. Carter. I think I think, yeah, let's I think going. Carl definitely hit it out of the park with that one, though. Big miss for us. And it, uh, for those listening or watching, if you have an idea of something we missed every week, please let us know on social media. We'd be happy to talk about it, give you credit as well, talk about it on the podcast because we always want to hear what's out there. Like we always say, we might say things that are right, we might say things that are wrong, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's the conversation that matters the most. So Car- Carter, you want to start us off? Yeah, for sure. So uh, The Verge reported earlier this week that TikTok is actually testing uh, links and bios, so similar to what you're used to in Instagram. Um, this might not seem like that big of a deal, but the reason it's an actually big deal is that TikTok, knowing the surge it's had specifically with younger demographics um, over the last year, has started to slowly roll out ways to enable sponsorships or actual in-app integrations uh, for influencers. So some of these TikTok creators or just kids or young adults uh, throughout the US are getting followings of tens, hundreds, millions of people. And beforehand, any sponsorship deal that you would make on TikTok would have to be off-platform and it'd have to be more of a content play. Um, now with links and bios and links and actual posts, you're able to do affiliate links, you're able to do tracking, you're able to do that kind of stuff so that you're actually able to potentially monetize your followers of hundreds of thousands or millions. So um, TikTok is starting to roll out more and more of these commerce features as I think it's looking to not only expand in terms of uh, vertical features, but it's also, I think, trying to fend off uh, Instagram and Facebook who are, are at, as we speak, uh, building platforms to try to compete with it. Um, so yeah, that's the newest from TikTok. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Like I watched the video of this online. Like basically you just get taken to the Amazon platform real quick sure. if you yeah. happen to have a store stood up. How many people in the audience are on TikTok? <laughs> All right, one. All right, yeah. for those listening... To the podcast one. All right, this platform is cool, and you have a lot of experience with TikTok. Oh, I do. <laughs> I I do. Um, my profile handle is so awesome, dude. Eleven. Uh, I learned about TikTok because of my nine-year-old son, and I actually talked to him about this at dinner last night. I was like, "So, Sully, what what do you think about like if you could sell your Carhartt beanie that you have on right now? If you could sell that on TikTok and make money off of it, what would you think of it?" And he was like, "Well, first." I don't want to lose this beanie that I have on my head. I was like, no, dude, you're cool. You could just, you get money, you sell beanies to other people. You don't even have to deal with it. He, his eyes lit up and that kid was like, get me on TikTok. I'm going to go make the video right now. So I think that this has a lot of Justin potential. Toy Factory. I know. I mean, one of the things though that um, I found in one of the articles that I was reading about this is that TikTok is actually trying to figure out how you can do commerce between TikTok users. So similar to what we talked about um, last week about Facebook pay. So being able to actually transact within the TikTok um, platform. And I think that's where things start to get really interesting. That's super cool. Emma, the intern, what's the, what's the word at the U on TikTok? Um, I mean, what are all the kids saying? 
sorry. I had to say it. That's right. Thank you. <laughs> you absolutely did. I don't have TikTok. I get, like, whenever I see TikTok videos, it's because I see them all scrolling through Twitter. I mean, I guess there's a lot of monetary potential in this, but none of my friends have TikTok. They all, like, everyone knows of it, but I know my brother has a TikTok, and he's younger than me, so... Well, Emma, you said like TikTok missed your your generation. I think it you did. think it's coming up with like the next round. Vine huh? shaped my adolescent years, and so did you I'm, buy anything in Vine? No, they just brands were on Vine, and that was it. Same kind of thing that yeah, we're talking no. about right now. It was the early stage. Yeah, I have right, the absolute exactly. best TikTok video saved that I have to show everyone after. So if you want to see it, it's amazing, and we'll show you after this. It is pretty addicting recording. though. Like Ann, you showed me your setup, and like, and I've been trying. I downloaded now and have been trying to get on it, but it's like it's like super addicting. You just start watching all this random stuff which is amazing and then you can start doing commerce on it which we're gonna get to later why as haven't well. you gotten on it well i'm trying i'm trying it, I'm, it's a little slow growth for me on all new platforms on tiktok um so anyway all right and number two okay this was a big story early in the week so cody announced that they are um, now purchasing a majority stake in kylie cosmetics so the beauty company cody most of you would know them as uh, the owner of some drugstore brands like rimmel uh, london covergirl clairol sally hansen etc um, they now own a 51 percent stake in the kylie brand makeup company that they purchased for 600 million dollars um, Kylie Jenner still owns the remainder of the company, but this was, you know, on, on its face, I think didn't seem like it was that big of a deal to most people. They don't really care about Kylie Jenner or the Kardashians and they dismiss them. But I'm here to tell you today, you better watch out because those Kardashians, this world of social commerce and of influencers, they know how to do it right. And they are going to like just start printing money clearly they are printing money if they're not already <laughs> they yeah, are right like th- it's only gonna go even more crazy from this point on um what i think is going to be something we'll have to carefully watch with this is what cody does to that brand because the the product that kylie put out is a, an incredible product it's a sephora product it is not a drugstore product and so what happens when you um have a a mass market beauty brand like Cody take control of this and she says she'll still maintain creative control. That's easy to say right now, but when you own less than 50% of the company, I think that becomes a lot more difficult. So what are you guys, what are you guys feeling? How- I, I got a ton of thoughts on this, but before I share, I'm curious, what's, what's the take on, on the left-hand side of the room? We could talk about this a lot. I think the big conversation with like Webb Smith and the 2PM guys today on Twitter was basically what is the ratio of credit given to the fact that she was a celebrity and is that what you can give credit to versus business prowess and actually being smart? Um, you can't just say because she was a celebrity, she was able to do this, though that probably was a key enabler. There is some business, business prowess and some really smart strategy that was applied to this over the last four, five, six years that I think that this brand has been growing. Um, so I think it's just an interesting point to think about is how much of this is due to the fact that she does have the name and how much of it is due to the fact that the business was pretty well run for the last couple of years. And like Ann said, it's good product. Yeah. Right. I think what's interesting about this is, you know, especially with this whole idea of social commerce and how that continues to emerge. And like we just talked about with TikTok, influencers, celebrities, whatever, they can go direct to consumers so much easier than they could before. And as a result, new brands get stood up. They get stood up pretty easily and pretty quickly. Now, if you look in the CPG world over a course of history, CPGs, quite frankly, have a lot of times grown their business through acquisition. 
And so I think Anne's point is really interesting because you're saying, okay, now we're going to acquire this up-and-coming brand, but what happens to it after you do that in this new world? I think that's very different than where we were in the past. And I'll give you an anecdote. It's an experience I'll never forget. I was at business school and there was a guy, I don't know why I remember his name, but I looked it up actually before the podcast and I actually had it right. His name is John Osher. And what John was, was this serial entrepreneur and he created the spin brush. Okay. He created the early spin brush. Do you Whoa, remember that little on. thing? No, nobody does. What is the spin, the spin brush? brush? Spin brush was that little electric, you remember it? It was that a literal electric toothbrush. And he came in and he talked to our class and he talked about everything he did to build it. And he spent about two years selling it direct to Targets, Walmarts, whomever. And then I remember he's sitting in the class and he told us all, yeah, I sold it for like 500 million bucks, right? Because it worked. And P&G bought it. And it was actually a big reason for their success around the middle part of the 2000s. So around like 2003, 2005. That's a different model though, because there you have products that are coming up. It's very much about the efficacy of those products, the quality of those products, you know, they're engineered a certain way. That's very different than I think the point Anne's bringing up, which is you have products brought about by celebrities and how much staying power do those have and what premium, to your point, Carter, are you paying for the fact that it is a celebrity and does it produce as much value as you have in the long run? Oh, and by the way, do these celebrities or authorities or influencers actually need to go that route at all? So I still keep coming back to the fact that the CPGs have a lot less power and even the potential to overspend relative to where they were in the past, again, putting that model in more of a precarious position than it ever has been. Yeah, I mean, they all, the, the potential too for Cody is that they can make this Kylie product available to the masses now, um, which we'll see how well that's executed and where the quality of the product goes. All right, Emma, you want to do story number three? Yeah, so Kroger is launching in-store farming. And they announced this week that they are starting a partnership with InFarm, which is a Berlin-based urban farming system company. And they're going to be bringing these urban farming systems to two of their stores in Washington with more locations on the way. And so this technology is going to provide customers with access to fresh greens that are priced at or below Kroger's existing store brand produce. Is there anything Kroger's not doing, first of all? Can we just start there? Uh, not Quick, that go, name of, one thing Kroger uh, hasn't tried. I don't know. No, just kidding. The, don't put me on. I think the question is, like, I, th- I think the idea is amazing. I think we've talked a lot about when we look at future of grocery, how are you bringing some of the farming and fresh uh, source produce closer to city centers where the demand is really high. Um, and we think we see Amazon starting to look at some of that kind of stuff. So I think this is an amazing idea. I think the question is, is, is this model scalable to a way that could actually produce a, enough products for a Kroger location, right? Because I think if we look at the display right now and from the pictures I saw, I think it's it's great for, you know, maybe, you know, 50 units a day, right? 20 units a day? I don't know. I don't know the specifics of it. But it's not big enough to, let's say, provide avocados for everyone who wants them on a Sunday night. Yeah, I don't think that's... the the We've seen a lot of these at the trade shows that we've been at over the course of the last couple of years, not in-farm among others. And I think that their hook is not that they're going to replace the produce section. I mean, Whole Foods has been doing this for a long time, too, with their rooftop greenhouses where they are growing lettuces for the whole Whole Foods, and then they put them on the shelves in the store below them. But um, I think that it's more about doing more to get you know, direct local produce. So it's just the herbs or it's just those kinds of things that there's trying to slowly eliminate all of the packaging and process that goes into, to those. And so this for me was not like 
that wow of a headline. Um, but I think it's another initiative that they're trying out in store. And yeah, those Kroger stores are going to look drastically different than any other grocery store for a little while at least. Yeah, it's, this is why I love doing this because every time we start talking about it, I start thinking about new angles as, as we're up here talking about it too. But you know, again, it's like the plan urban farming, which has all the benefits it's, that we've talked about. But then you start thinking about it again in concert with all the other things they are experimenting with. And I joke that they're experimenting with everything because it, literally they are, but we've talked before about the Kroger-Walgreens partnerships. We've talked about some of the efforts they're doing around locker pickup and things like that. So if you start thinking about Kroger getting into more densely packed urban locations, what do stores start to look like? You know, you could start to have very different visions of stores as places of pickup, as places of still getting produce, but getting in a way that's very different, that's more kind of vertical farming, urban-based farming like this. So you can start to see the avenues. I, I, I kind of tend to agree, though, it still feels a little more on the sizzle side of the PR, but it's something that's, you know, up and coming. It's something we've seen. I remember we saw Babylon Farms was the company we saw at Grocery Shop, and they were pretty intriguing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's something, you know, interesting that you could see application. You could see people wanting to do it. And it's just a question of, okay, and it's pretty easy to test too. Like, let's try it out, get it in, see what happens. And you can extrapolate quite a bit from there. If all else fails, the restaurants that are in the new Kroger stores can use them for uh, (laughs) putting putting meals together, inspiration for for their... Their waste, food waste farmers market. Right, like the one in the one in Cincinnati. Where is it? Cincinnati. In Cincinnati. Yeah, in Cincinnati, yeah. that yeah. big store. Uh, the other thing too on the grocery side, we didn't cover this in the headlines, but it's important for everyone to know because I know someone will say, "Hey, you missed this this week." Big news on the Amazon front. So reported this week, Amazon will open now a ten thousand square foot Amazon Go store in Seattle. Grocery store. Grocery store. Yes. Yeah, in Seattle. We're using, thank you, using Amazon Go technology. Right. So Amazon Go technology across 10,000 square feet. So again, that's almost over three, just over three times the size of the initial Amazon Go store in Seattle. And liquor store. Yeah, pretty damn impressive. Yes. Still don't know what the California store will look like, the new reimagined grocery store, but now it sounds like there's confirmed reports that you have a 10,000 foot Go store, which is pretty damn impressive. I wonder if they're just going to 3x the density of the technology and they're just pouring a bunch of cash into it or if they actually figured out new ways. Because uh, remember, that was the biggest issue. Mm-hmm. Or wasn't the biggest. It was a issue. Yeah, that's what we keep learning. It's a question of really, you know, the processing speed at which you have to, you know, understand all the data that's coming through and moving through that space. And then, of course, the cost of the hardware to make it all work, you know, in the bigger footprint. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what, you know, size and shape that thing takes. And, you know, maybe it's, I, we'll see if it has product packed to the same level of density as, say, the initial Amazon Go store did. All right, story number four. We mentioned this before, but you guys ready to get your sweat on? Oh I know some God. of you are. Lululemon is now offering yoga classes as well as clothes in its new store at the Mall of America. According to a company spokesperson, let me quote this, it's a space, or it's, quote, a space to shop, sweat, eat, relax, and do it all in one place, end quote, a comp- the company spokesperson said. And that was all according to an article in the Star Tribune. The new store includes space for workout classes, a rentable event space for meditation and meetings, men's and women's locker rooms and showers, and a cafe to grab light refreshments and drinks. There's even a translucent glass wall that becomes clear when the classes are not in session. Yes, I read every piece <laughs> oh of this article. God. I know, right? That is kind of like the early office gimmicks. Like, oh, right? Like, let me just close this class. Well, right? that's cool. That'll that'll help. It'll keep the space open and flowing. 
For sure. Yeah, to keep you know, it keeps the creep factor down a little bit too, I gotta think. <laughs> yeah. It's only twenty five dollars for a drop in yoga class. I don't know why I said only, but it's twenty five dollars for a drop in yoga That's class. That's pretty standard. Yeah, pretty standard. And then here was the cool thing that I that I learned in the Star Tribune article, and this was according to Bernstein Research. I didn't know this. This blew me away. According to them, only half of Americans actually know what Lululemon is. Which is pretty interesting when you start thinking about a really big store. In the Mall of America. Well, and that was kind of the justification for this flagship experience was the amount of foot traffic within the Mall of America from a diversity of places, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, are we opening for comments now? 100%. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love, I, as you guys know, we talked a lot about this for the last six months. I've had a little bit of an opportunity to work with some of the people who are, are running and kind of promoting that store, and I, I couldn't be a bigger fan. I think um, if you guys have ever been to the Mall of America store, that thing is packed. Uh, the amount of money they pushed through that thing was absolutely insane. I think the retail footprint alone, even if these experiential elements don't necessarily take off, will reap insane benefits in the mall. And I think they'll continue to do really well. Um, I also, from the details that were listed in the article and from what I've heard, the amenities are like mint. I mean, you're talking really nice stuff, really great locker rooms, things that are absolutely Amazing. Are we bringing mint? Is back? that a millennial gonna, word? What is that? I don't know that, that I'm going to let you continue mint? without stopping Why don't stopping you guys go it? look at the TikTok trending list and you'll see that mint is close to the top. <laughs> is that like quiche? Oh, God, Chris. No, oh, we'll just okay. stop there. We but here's my question. Here's my yes. question. And I, I'm excited to be proven wrong. And like I said, I love these guys so much. 25 bucks to come to a yoga studio in the back of a retail yes. store at the Mall of America. I get it. Parking is good. I get it. Like, it's Lululemon. But... I just have a really hard time believing that at 8 a.m. on a Tuesday morning, people are going to want to go in, and much less for $25. I was a little worried about it at first when I thought it was free and complimentary. But for 25 bucks a hit, like I, that's, that's a lot of cash, and I think the barriers to entry are pretty large in the first place. Do you I, think tourists will do it? No, I don't think they will because oh my God, when was guys, the last time? Hold up. No, I got to stop you. All right. No, I'm excited to be proven wrong. This is, this is always my favorite part this when you is two the get in a biggest fight. This is the biggest, uh, I'm going to use it the right way in this week's podcast, Trojan Horse. Trojan Horse. Okay. All right. Why? Because to register for these classes, one thing that you guys may or may not know, you don't register through the Lululemon site. You register through MindBodyOnline, which is where you register for any other yoga class or gym class or HIT class or fitness class. It's all done by demographics, so or sorry, by zip code. So you type in your zip code, the type of class you want, and there is Lululemon in the search field. And what I think this is showing us is that Lululemon is starting to test and explore how to get into the gym industry and fitness industry long term because they've got the 360 life cycle brand. You know how, sorry, one more thing. There are, during the holidays, 13,000 employees who work at the Mall of America. 13,000 employees. And if you're working a holiday shift, a lot of them, this is in addition to other jobs that they might have. They might be taking public transit to get to the space. So to have a gym facility in the place where they work that's offering classes, 25 for a drop-in, we don't know what their other programming options are. Like, I think that this is a totally realistic space where people will go to exercise. So it's, it's a captive convenient. flow. I, I think it's genius. Don't I, I love this so much. But to your point, I agree. 360, if it's a data play then why charge? Like if you're getting benefits from it, from you know understanding your audience and starting to jump into the market, why put another barrier to entry to get in? And also then at $25 a hit, the average demographic at the Mall of America who's working retail, I don't know is going to want to spend $25 on their half hour break. Well, I don't think they're going to be... I'm being very critical. I think, I think <laughs> if you looked at, at the 
first of all, who I think fitness is a priority in more people's lives totally. than we realize. So 100%. if you look at, you know, that person working that, that job at the mall, while they, you might not peg them as a traditional person who would spend $25 on a class. I think people, it's a category next to food and beverage dining out where people spend more money, um, on that kind of thing. So I, I think that people will do it. I think if you don't charge, people don't show up. So That's I think that you're, you're, you're recruiting these Lululemon ambassadors to teach these classes and they're not going to teach if people don't show totally. up. So. Black Friday morning, guys. So You want to do it? Well, that's my thing. I think we're going to all do it. That's my question. I have two questions. Do you Liz think, Kruger, one, book, us, book us a spot. Book us. I, no, I think we might have to try this. But two questions. Do you think people coming up from Iowa will come in and try this? I totally think they would. They'd be like, oh, yeah. Let's do this. This will be part of our vacation up to the Mall of America. There's no barrier to entry. The clothes are there. You get free clothes to wear while you're working out. I totally do. All right. Second question, because I can see Carter's eyes rolling in the back of his head. No, I can't wait to be proven wrong. I I am the biggest fan. I think Lululemon is going to be one of the most valuable brands and will continue to rise. Don't get me wrong. I love them. I think they're amazing. I just am picking out the one little thing of the $25 barrier. No, and that's where I want to go next. So last year, we went to the Mall of America on Black Friday at 6 in the morning. And the one store that's, that stuck out to us the most was Lululemon for the reason no sales plastered anywhere on the walls, unlike every other store in the mall, and the line was out the door. So given that this store is bigger, better, more experiential than last year, what's your prediction? Are there going to be more people at this place when we go there on Friday, next Friday, or about the same? What are you thinking? It's going to be packed. You think it's going to be even it's be more crazy? Packed. 100%. All right, then I think we've got to figure out, you know, we got to go. We got to figure out what to do. Emma, what do you think of Lululemon? I don't own anything from Lululemon. It's a great company and brand with like great company culture and whatnot, but I just think of it as like a trendy kind of. Would you work out there if you. Absolutely not. Never. It's too intimidating. Like, what about the twenty five dollars? Well, that's two hours of a uh, shit. If I, so, when I was working at Mall of America, that would be taking two hours off of my shift to go get all sweaty. And like, I like working out, but that sounds horrible. So, what about if you had it for the shower facilities on site? No, alone. No, no. too intimidating. Don't want to run into anybody from the mall. And too expensive. Or school, or I think like, you're right. To capture that audience, there's got to be some kind of kind of discount. Who knows? Maybe there for is. people Maybe in the mall. There could be. And it's hard to know. Too. Yeah, exactly. All right, Anne, you want to close us up? This is always my favorite headline of the week. It's always headline number five for those that listen to us regularly. It's usually Anne's favorite just random story of the week. But this one is super cool. Okay. So according to CNBC, the CEO of Levi Strauss has made a statement this week saying that sizes will go out the window 10 years from now. We will not have clothing sizes at all because he believes that the traditional sizing model will disappear as body scanners and cameras allow shoppers to buy clothing that fits them exactly. Bespoke clothing happening in the next 10 years. I love this. I think that he, along with, they also got some quotes from some other founders, including Heidi Zack, uh, the CEO of Third Love, who says that she uh, believes that that's true, that Third Love's ability to find the perfect fit based on that fit finder has allowed them to uh, progress as far as making sizes more applicable to more people um, using their technology. And I, I think this is crazy, but also so cool. I think it's so cool. What does the audience think on this one? What do you guys think? Do you think, is this guy crazy? Is Chipper crazy? 10 years, we won't have sizing anymore? Show of hands. Yes? Yes, show of hands. One, two... Okay, so two. So we've got about, eh, okay. All right, so very few of you think this. Okay, what if I said 20 years? Does that change your thought process at all? 
No, we're still having sizing. Okay, fascinating. What would you though? Here's my question because there's a company that we talked about a few years ago who came out and they said that they could custom print a gown. So if you could go to them, you could say, I saw this this gown on the red carpet. I have a gala coming up this holiday. I'm inspired by that. I want this gown custom printed in my fabric and color choice. Um, and they could do it for less than the cost of a rent the runway dress. Would you do that? Would you have a gown made custom fit to your body? Raise your hands in the audience. Yeah. All the women and Corey. <laughs> yes. 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 The values left and right. Like, I mean, the price is yeah. there and the fits there. Yeah. I think that's different than say like general, just mass market apparel. Like do does the size of de- sizing of denim just go away when it's a specific use case or event for that type of thing? I could see that happening, but this, this is a different proclamation. But you're saying you'd rather buy your 30, 32 jeans instead of having a custom pair of jeans. No, I'm not. I, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the claim here is different than the use case you're describing. Would I do that? A hundred percent. Yes. In fact, I'll just go there now. I was going to wait, but like, I think, I think this is amazing. I love this proclamation. I love it because yes, if you could convince me and it was easy to do and it was frictionless that I could get the exact pair of jeans that fit me yes. as the guy who's wearing the same jeans almost every day. Cause I need a pair drastically. I would a hundred percent do that, especially if you can get them to me at a reasonable price. But the thing I love about this most, I love when CEOs talk about disrupting themselves. Like, that's what he's doing. He's like yeah. saying, how do we think about the future in a way that is so contrary to how we've always done our business? doesn't mean we're going to go freaking do it, but we're actually going to start thinking about it and testing and innovating towards that direction so that we aren't left holding the bag when somebody like M. Taylor or like that sneaks out of nowhere and kicks our ass. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I agree totally. And I think don't, not to, we underestimate one year over, or overestimate one year, underestimate 10. Um, I think the, the idea that we might be able to get scanned and have a data set that was our perfect body shape and the scan is pretty easy to do as your body shape potentially changes. And then the idea that you could go to a mid-tier retailer, mid-tier and up, and just say, hey, this is what my body type is, like, and they create whatever clothing item it is. I, though the way I just described it sounds incredibly complicated, it's not that complicated. Um, I think to say that we're still not going to, you know, we'll have white V-necks at Target for small, medium, and large, 100%. But for things like jeans and anything above like the nice-ish pair of jeans, so anything above a $50 price point, I would imagine would be custom tailored because it's just so easy to do. Yeah, I think you'd wait for your shoes. I think you'd wait for your denim. Well, right? yes, because jeans and shoes and all matters. that. Yeah, it matters yeah. a ton. And ultimately, like, you know, it's not a need state you have in the moment. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, getting that data shouldn't be that difficult. It's interesting, dude. This world is coming faster than I think we realize. Like, Adore Me just opened a store in Nashville. Again, a lingerie company, but just opened a store in Nashville where they're, they have... Th- 3D body scanners in the store. Yeah. And it's one of their first stores and they're going after this. I haven't seen it yet. No idea how well it works, how much friction there is in the process. Well, the but thought people is, are really going after this and trying yeah. this. I mean, you could just like go through the TSA and then they could give you the scan and that'd be it. <laughs> My gosh. That was a joke. How many things can you Get accomplish <laughs> in one spot? I love it. That would be me. A- Emma, the intern, any thoughts on this in closing? Why don't we fix the issues with sizing now? Like sizing is terrible. I have a list on my computer of like what size I wear and what specific pants across all these companies and they're all different. And I feel like someone could figure that out and make it slightly better than it is now. And I mean, it's cool to think like 10 years down the road that it won't exist anymore, but someone try and help us. Maybe. Yeah, and all that data is out there. I think that's part of the point too, is right? Yeah. The data is out there to be captured. Yeah, maybe they could take a 3D scan of your body and you just insert those measurements and then they send you whatever it is. 
in whatever size most closely matches you. Yeah, that might be the easiest way to do it. All right, well, that wraps us up. Again, next week, we are in, Ann and I are in Tel Aviv. We're excited about that. Be sure to tune in for our Fast Five podcast, which we will likely record. In fact, we will record it from the Mall of America live. Mid-yoga class. Right, maybe during yoga class, during my flow. All right. And we've got a couple of good posts out this week as well on Forbes. So I've got a fun one out that talks about Walmart and where retail is headed over the next decade and just how wrapped, uh, or I'm sorry, how ripe companies are potentially to be disrupted. It's actually really interesting. If you look at the data, if you look at the list of the top 10 retailers going back to 1970, and then you look 20 years beyond that, that list changes 40% of the time. So there's a 40% chance that if you were a top 10 retailer in a given decade, 20 years later, you're gone. Really interesting to think about. There's also a cool article on Forbes that I put out today around Disney Plus and how that could be so much more than a streaming platform, but also a commerce platform. I encourage you to check that out. Of course, as always, please like, review, and subscribe to our podcast. According to Feedspot, which ranks podcasts, our our podcast, really hard day Not after this episode. Yeah, wow. Our podcast is now actually ranked higher than NRF's Retail Gets Real podcast. So I am really stoked about that, especially if you have followed our writing over the past few years. And of course, we are still ranked in the top 10 on iTunes. Thanks to our subscribers and listeners for rating us. Yeah, we wouldn't be here without you. So if you're listening to us for the first time, please take a second, write us a review. If you listen to us for a long time and you haven't left a review, please do that as well. Do us a solid, as I always say. Every difference makes a difference. We hope everyone has a wonderful Thanksgiving. Of course, be safe. And as always, be careful out there.